Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect, for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the Bread of Life. Let us seek Him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Today we begin a second message on the premillennial return of Jesus Christ from Revelation chapter 20, verses 1-6. through 6. The view that Christ will one day reign on this earth, in time, as a part of earthly history for a period of precisely 1,000 years, is drawn from a literal interpretation of this passage. Such an interpretation allows for symbolism and for the nuance of literary communication, but also calls for the common sense, plainest reading of the text. This message today begins with a brief defense of the literal interpretation of those scriptures related to the millennium. They're not found in John's book alone. The Old Testament is full of passages in which God promises this kingdom to rise from the people of Israel and from the promised seed of David. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. Let's read it together. This is what we'll be considering for the morning, and then we'll pray. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should not deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Well, last week we started looking at this passage which speaks to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth, a doctrine, by the way, that was adhered to by the early church for the first 300 years, although they developed a number of bad habits that would erode this confidence and this doctrine it was not the doctrine of the church to dismiss or not believe in this a thousand year reign of the church until Augustine came along and he espoused a different position and a different doctrine. But if you study the history of the church, you'll see that over and over again, particularly as the word of God was accessed by individuals and the common believer reading it and understanding it in its most common and literal way, they came back to adhering to and holding on to this doctrine of the thousand year reign of Christ. Interestingly enough, you'll see it in the early church, as I mentioned. One of those who taught in the thousand-year reign of the Christ upon the earth was an individual by the name of Papias. And what Papias is most famous for is being the pupil, the disciple of the Apostle John, who wrote this book in this revelation that we read right now. It was the teaching, it was the expectation, it was the anticipation of the early church. It was particularly dear and near to them as they held the Scripture and read the Scripture in a literal fashion. 
when they were taught not to read the Scripture literally by individuals like Origen, but when they began to have imposed upon them certain Greek ideas, there was a dualism where you separated the spirit from the body and you prized all things spiritual and disdained all things physical. When there was a growth away from the church to where they began to disdain even Jewish tradition, then the tradition was that we can't believe in the millennium because it is earthly and sensual and it is Jewish. And that was the primary reason for why it was dismissed. But even today, those individuals who don't believe in this thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth and where they would take the promises where God has made about this thousand-year reign of Christ throughout the Old Testament, they will tell you that if you apply a literal interpretation to the scriptural passages that pertain to this event, that they would then teach that there would be a thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth out of the nation of Israel, and that's what we teach on our fellowship and from this pulpit. But over those passages, they have decided not to take them literally. Well, we see no reason not to take them literally. We take them literally. In fact, if we were to take them spiritually, we wouldn't know how to take them spiritually. Who gets to choose? Who gets to pick, right? If it's spiritually understood and we're to give a spiritual interpretation for passages that were once spoken of and received literally, but now we understand them spiritually, who gets to decide? What are the rules to determine what will be the answer and what will mean? There aren't all of a sudden it becomes entirely arbitrary according to whatever age or whatever disposition or whatever state of mind you're in. Not only that, what it means is those individuals who read those promises in past days and understood them to be literal, starting with the Jews who read the promises of the prophets in the Old Testament and the anticipation of literal fulfillment that was resonant in the hearts of even the disciples of Jesus Christ. Even after he taught them for 40 days after he rose again and before he ascended, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they said to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, is it now that you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What is this? It's a literal hope in the reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth reigning out of Israel. All of his instruction didn't vanquish that from their hearts and their minds. Why? Because they understood the scripture literally. Now, if for some reason it's no longer to be understood literally, but it's to be understood spiritually, was God deceiving people in his revelation? Was his revelation in past days unclear, sufficiently unclear for them to understand it? Was there a new meaning that was introduced later that we don't really even know what the rules are by which we can understand them or know them that somebody else has introduced in a later age? Is that more authoritative than what he said and what was clearly spoken in that literal fashion in those past days? Actually, if that's what you believe or you accept, the question is, can you believe what you literally understand from the word now when you read it? And your understanding, and your moment. Well, that shift underneath you in later days as well, because God is not always clear in His revelation. No. No, what we understand is that there was a literal expectation for the reign of Jesus Christ ruling out of Israel upon the earth. And here in Revelation chapter 20, we have the very specific time period. It will be a reign of 1,000 years. Now, what we said last week is there is, throughout the history of mankind, a hope and a dream for a return to paradise. Utopian dreams, expectations and expostulations on what would be the perfect society here on earth. What we said was these dreams, these expounding on the perfect society, are not merely the expressions of men's wishful thinking. It's not merely the evidence of his own inventive imagination. But instead, these expressions are 
faint whispers of God's original wish for His creation, finding a sighing in the heart of mankind. Every utopian thought of mankind is a distorted expression of the hope and plan that God has held up for us since the time of creation. God, it is, who planned for a universal day of righteousness to come upon His creation in time. And it would be an expression of an unchallenged season of universal blessing. It was God's desire that all that He established in the Garden of Eden would somehow migrate out from that place and would encapsulate all of the earth. And so He made man in His own image. And after having made man in His own image and said that it was good to capstone His creation, He told man to be fruitful and multiply and to hold dominion over all of the earth, to express His kingly reign over all the earth. They were to be the ambassadors. Men who were perfect and pure and were righteous were to go forward throughout the world to express, in a sense, the Edenic expressions of communion and blessing with God over all the earth and His dominion and His reign. But what did we learn? Adam and Eve fell in sin. Mankind, instead of spreading the effects of this glorious expression of the image of God stamped upon us, expressing God's kingly rule and our dominion over the earth, Instead, spread over the earth the effects of his fall, its brokenness, its being worn down and torn apart and the inequity that was introduced because of our sins. And yet God still plans a day of historical glory upon the earth. And this day takes on the expression and expectation of his kingdom upon the earth, reaching to the ends of the earth, repealing or at least repressing the effects of the fall, As we've mentioned already, the Old Testament is full of passages in which God promises this kingdom and God stokes the anticipation of His people for this moment and this event to rise up. It begins to define itself and express itself ultimately as rising up through the nation of Israel and rising up out of the seed of David. Moses spoke about it. Samuel spoke about it. David and Solomon and Asaph and Hezekiah speak about it in the Psalms. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Micah and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Zechariah all make it themes, expressions in the prophetic writing. All these spoke of a day when God's kingdom would rise up upon the earth from out of the house of Israel, from out of the house of David. God promises to bring in a day in which He will mark the earth as we know it with the designs that He first had purposed in the Garden of Eden. It will be a long season that is marked by what is true and right and good in every aspect of life, in every part and every fiber of creation. Here will be a time in which, a season in which, there will be a perfectly just government. Wouldn't you like that? when there is a thoroughly good and productive education. Wouldn't you love that? A time in which there is a fair and rewarding and encouraging economy. Wonderful. It will be a time in which there will be peace in all relationships and with all created order. It will be marked as a period of peace and joy and overabounding health. And Christ will rule. 
And we who have trusted with him will rule alongside of him. And those who have trusted in him and have gone to be in his presence will rule alongside of him. And those who have suffered martyrdom as well will rule with him. And those who are living at the time of Christ's return, having trusted and believed in him, those who will be governed and that we will reign over. But we ourselves, we will be agents of his governance. We will be agents of his renewal. And we will be witnesses of the promises fulfilled that he gave, for example, through Isaiah where he said that one day the wolf would dwell with the lamb and the leopard would lie down with the baby goat and the lion and the calf would be led by the little boy. You read about that in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. Now this hope that I've just expressed is called premillennialism. It's the belief that Christ will return and will establish and reign over the earth for a thousand years. That's what we espouse. Actually, let me go through and restate the premillennial view. I've already said it to some extent, but just say this. It's a time that's coming to earth just as the time in which we live right now. Just as a time in which we record up our days and we read in the newspaper the events of the day that has gone before us, it will be a day like that. I don't know what the newspaper will be, but it will all be good news. And you'll read it every single day. Record the passing of hours and weeks and years to accumulate into a thousand years of historical time where Christ will rule as king out of Israel over all the earth and over all the nations. It will be a thousand years in which all the literal promises that were made to the prophets will be fulfilled. All those promises that fueled the hopes of those who walked with the Lord Jesus in the New Testament will be answered. Those who have died with Christ prior to this time will be raised and glorified bodies. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Mission Church, Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To learn more, get a copy of this message, and support our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.